John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. accessed entry 615.DE2722, certificate number 20625. Icelandic incest. I mean, you know that there's nothing that you can't be totally honest with me about. I mean, you can say anything to me, you know? Anything at all. Like, say I had a crush on my own cousin. Hey. <laughs> You just taught me a lesson. <laughs> All right, breathe. <laughs> Did you forget to return your Icelandic incest tape to the video store? Uh, Iceland is not a big place. Have you been no, to Iceland? I haven't. I had an opportunity to go, but I screwed it up. Oh. Yeah. You accidentally went to Greenland? No, I just alienated the people that had, uh, that had invited me. Even even the, the chilly Scandinavians can be alienated by you? The government of Iceland has a program where they coordinate with Seattle independent radio station KEXP in a cultural exchange program. There's actually a music festival that somehow takes place in Seattle and Reykjavik. Yeah, that's right. And uh, the first year they did it, um, they invited me uh, to come to Reykjavik as a guest of the nation of Iceland to perform at a music festival there. And, um, and I was, uh, excited to go, but in a very Scandinavian way, they wanted me to do several things according to their timetable. And during that era, that part of my life, I was, I was really sort of very much on my own calendar. You weren't going to let the Icelandic cultural minister order you around. And it was exactly that. Some culture minister said, if you need to make the following reservations at the following hotels, because these hotels fill up fast. And I said, you're the culture minister, like reserve the rooms for me. And he was like, that's simply not how it's done. And then I took a look at the bill and I realized that uh, on the stage I was playing, uh, the headliners were a puppet show. Oh, I remember this. Puppet right? show and long winter. Yeah, and I said, you know, this is a Spinal Tap reference. You cannot possibly ask me to go on after a puppet show. And uh, the culture minister said, puppets are very big in Iceland. <laughs> and anyway, so I did, I put, I fully intended to go, but I pushed back on so many of these things in a way that I admit is, was pretty dickish uh, because I was just, I don't know what, I, you know, I'm bipolar. I, I, was, I was having an, an episode probably. And if you're going to alienate a country, why not? There's only 300,000 300, of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but eventually, it's they never rescinded the invitation. They just got very icy. And, you <laughs> and know, Andy? You, can, you can ice me out, uh, and I'll just ice you harder. So we iced each other, and then the festival came and went. I ran into the culture minister a year later, and uh, and we were very cordial, but he didn't extend me a new invitation. And now times have changed, and I'm you, not. You need the geyser of forgiveness to, to thaw your relations with the Icelandic regime. I was a bigger deal back then than I am now. Iceland, <laughs> you know, at the time they were like, oh, and now they're like, hmm? There's a whole new ge- – the Icelandic culture minister now is probably 32. Uh, it definitely has an outsized cultural scene th- relative to its population than you would expect. They create right? a lot of music. They're very uh, poetry. They're very exotic. Um, what do you mean by that? I know, right? Let's <laughs> let's orientalize the Icelanders <laughs> of all people. Uh, you know, they're they are because they have pointy elven ears. They're so they're they're so, they were so isolated for so long, and their culture is so um, insular. And it feels like they make they 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 do have this kind of there's the stereotype of them being sort of magical thinkers, and That's they create true. all this I, wonderful art. You know? you know, if you fly Iceland Air, which I sometimes have, it's it's a it's a sometimes it's an inexpensive way to get to Europe. They'll kind of undercut the European airlines if you'll stop if you and spend Reykjavik. the night in Reykjavik, right? Because right? then you'll you know you'll see the sights, and it's true. We so we totally fell for this. My wife and I spent a couple <laughs> two three days in Iceland, and quite charming. But Iceland Air really really uh, pushes the uh, we are the little whimsical country. Oh. Like when you get into the plane, every seat back displays uh, rotating trivia facts about. Iceland, all of which seem to convey we are barely a country. <laughs> like the trivia fact will be like seventy nine percent of uh, people in Iceland believe in elves and dwarves. Right. Or uh, Iceland is the only country whose prime minister is in the phone book. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Bartles and James ad campaign, right? It really is. Yeah. Like, or you know, Ben and Jerry's. Like, right. we're the fun country. We're we're too little to be trouble. It's a the whole country is just a Wes Anderson film. <laughs> it really is. Uh, and you know, some of that has been amped up by, I'm sure, New York based marketing firms. Right. And I'm, I imagine there are plenty of Icelanders who are like, oh, eye rolling at the fact that, uh, that they don't want to be portrayed as too late people in middle earth. Your cultural ministry has decided you are all, uh, dwarf baiting weirdos. Well, and they tried for a while to be like some kind of financial haven where everybody, you know, where you would register your your multinational bank, but then it all ended up being a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> when that all collapsed, it uh, it meant that a trip to Iceland is now merely extremely expensive instead of exorbitantly expensive. Right. Their economy crashing did not actually make things affordable there. That's actually too bad. I kind of for a while held on to the idea that Iceland would be some sort of cheap uh like cheap vacation spot like like Portugal in the early 80s, you know? It's the opposite of that. It's the place where um, all the middle-class Americans go to this, like, uh, beloved hot dog stand because it's the only place you can eat dinner for less than 15 bucks a head. (laughs) (laughs) Or you can eat the fermented fermented shark, which is apparently just legendarily awful, and they keep it around for foreigners. uh, It's like haggis. Yeah, but worse, like... What if Haggis was really smelly? Mm. Mm, now how much would you pay? <laughs> I feel like Haggis is already pretty smelly. Smelly-er. What, uh, so is Iceland Air a good airline? 
Yeah, uh, I liked it very much. Uh, this this show not brought to you by Iceland Air, although we are might be. we're willing to consider it. If we're be- now being brought to you by a different budget European airline, please forget what we just said about That's Iceland right. Air. Sorry, Ryanair. The other the other one is much nicer and doesn't actually make you squeeze under the seat or whatever. Well, what's interesting about that whole idea is that when you're booking a European vacation, one of the things you don't often have is two or three extra days, right? You're not you're not like, what am I going to do with all these days? Usually you are right. going to Europe and you have like So I'm going to go to London and Paris, but I've got all this extra time yeah, what on else the way. Should I do. Maybe I'll <laughs> stop in Reykjavik for 3 days. But people like the novelty of Iceland yeah. and they're not wrong. Like the landscape looks like nowhere else on earth. Just remarkable geysers and waterfalls and stark kind of basalt scenery. Uh, you don't go for the weather. We were there in <laughs> May and June, and it was quite dreary right? Uh, weather-wise. But Reykjavik, uh, it feels like a very—it's the national capital, and yet you feel like you're in Astoria, Oregon or something. You know, it's just a little, a little coastal town made of brightly colored, brightly painted corrugated metal. And are people, I mean, I can only imagine because they're Scandinavian that they are friendly but cold. Is that the actual sense of it on the street? Because all you have to do is spend an afternoon at a sidewalk cafe in Copenhagen to know that everyone is extremely friendly, but not, But they don't want to be friends. They don't want to be friends, right? Yeah. I mean, it's our Seattle way too, but they, they really amp it up. We got it from them. Yeah, uh, you that's know, right. That's our forefathers. And of course, Iceland was settled by the same people. It was largely... Norse sea rovers. I don't want to see Norse men gendered. Right. Norse, Norse people. Norse sea rovers. The Norse sea rovers of either gender or uh, anywhere in between in their spectrum of mm-hmm. gender. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're slaves, apparently. That's a, that's a fun thing about the Vikings is they enslaved a ton of different gales and Celts and all kinds of northern folks. Right. And uh, and so we don't, you know, so that's, that's what makes the genetic background of Iceland not uniformly Norse like you would think. It's not all Scandahoovian. It's no. got some Gaelic it, it's and got some, some Irish Frank and, and early Picts or whatever. Right. Um, because they were the ones that had to row the ships, Neanderthals. I guess. Um, but despite that, it is a fairly, uh, because they were isolated, you know, the, the, the place was just empty until... Uh, whenever it was settled, ni- between 900 and 1100 AD. Iceland doesn't refer to ice. It refers to isolated. It's shortened for isolated land. Yeah. I mean, I, our word isolate means to put on an island. Like insular and pen- peninsula means almost an island. Mm-hmm. Except for in that one little place where it's not an island. It's an island. It's like penultimate. Um, but because of that isolation for uh, really a thousand years, I mean, for one thing, there were no natives to protect against. And that's why there's no big cities in Iceland, really. Nobody had to lump up and form a fort. You could because just they weren't and, defending against the Vikings because they were the Vikings? They were the Vikings and there was nobody there to defend against. It's like the only place where settlers showed up and, you know, most of the time settlers pretend there are no indigenous peoples. In this case, it was true. They could just let their sheep wander freely. And so to this day, Iceland is just covered in sheep. Uh, and Greenland has a large indigenous population and did then, but Iceland. Yeah, I guess the, I guess the Inuits, the the in, relatives of the Inuit people, whatever northern people were the original Greenlanders, never made it to Iceland. Hmm. Or if they did, they, they didn't survive because they didn't believe in uh, trolls and, uh-huh. the, tr- and elves. the trolls ate them as the, trolls do. The elves. <laughs> they were like the rocks from Frozen that came to life and squished them. But because of this kind of uh, heterogeneous genetic background um, and the fact that it was isolated for many years, uh, Iceland is a uh, 
incredibly lively place for genetic study. You know, a lot oh, of, of course, you know, it's, it's like the way we study the fruit fly because its genes are easy to isolate. Well, ice, Iceland is also very similar and it does kind of have the founder effect that you see when a population is started by a small group of people, you know, inbreeding is famously not good for genetics. Um, and there's some suggestion that that's true in Iceland. You know, there's, for example, there's a very rare chromosome that causes breast cancer and ovarian cancer. That's almost unheard of everywhere in the world. But in Iceland, it's commonplace. One in 250 people have it. Interesting. Um, just because it was the original, you know, few thousand people. Those are all the genes you have. Well, so Iceland is a microcosm of um, of like an Earth population. But it also is kind of a macrocosm of what would be a Mars mission population. Exactly. Colonizing Mars, you know, we kind of think, oh, we'll just send 20 people and that'll start the base. Right. And Iceland tells you, really, you need a lot more than that. So how many, I mean, what I, I've heard so many different numbers, like, like 98 was a number that got bandied around a while, that you would need 98 people to send out a... Uh, you know, a, a spore ship. If you have 97 people, you're all going to be not enough. There's weak two- jawed hemophiliac <laughs> Habsburgs by the time the next transit of Venus occurs. But if you, you know, if you could grow your population on this arc, you could keep enough diversity. But I think that in, but I've heard other numbers that are much larger than that to create enough genetic diversity that you would have a healthy population. Well, one thing about Iceland yeah, I don't know what the number is. I mean, I guess you could always do the interstellar thing and send genetic material, you know, make sure your spore ship is full of, oh, right. it's really a, a traveling sperm and egg bank. Right. And then, you know, those people don't need to eat. They just, um, they just sent their genetic material with you. Uh, so you could, so there are workarounds like that, as long as the, the new Martians don't mind endless heartbreaking fertility treatments. <laughs> right. Or, you know, or, or the Martians don't mind being bred with, uh, with foreign DNA shot at them out of a dart gun. Oh, I, by Martians, I meant the new Martians. Oh, new Martians. Yes. I thought you meant like, beep, beep, beep. I'm assuming there are no actual Martians. I'm building a giant space monster. <laughs> I'm going to destroy the earth. <laughs> if you keep shooting sperm samples at me. Um, but in, uh, I guess there was, the studies that they've done on Icelandic DNA shows there's been substantial genetic drift from oh. from what you'd expect, given that it, there was a very small population of founders. But apparently it's still enough of a problem that it's top of mind for these people as they date. Oh, oh, really? Well, I guess it would be, right? You're not going to, you're not going to want to date your cousin, but it seems like anyone who is closely enough related to you, you would know through your aunt, right? You would, I mean, in a, in a country that small, you would just kind of, you'd ask your, your aunts. There's a few problems. What if you don't have your aunt at the club? Oh, I mean, oh, at the club. When I see you at the club, obviously you're always with your aunt yes. and she's knitting. Ants. Yes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you, we, we roll pretty hard, <laughs> me and my aunts. You're covered in ants <laughs> as you sit in the club and you're dabbing honey. Uh, yeah. So people, We're up the in ants the will VIP. crawl over When it comes to meat, quality makes a huge difference in texture and taste. And even though it might be better for you and the environment, a lot of the higher quality meat you find at the grocery store is just too expensive for most people's budget. 
Thankfully, there's ButcherBox. ButcherBox believes everyone deserves access to high-quality, humanely sourced meat at an affordable price. That's why each month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of the finest cuts right to your home. Choose from 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar and nitrate-free bacon. No antibiotics, no added hormones, just meat the way meat should be. And right now, you can get two pounds of ground beef and two packs of bacon absolutely free plus twenty dollars off your first box when you visit butcherbox.com slash iheart or use the promo code iheart at checkout that's butcherbox.com slash iheart or use the promo code iheart at checkout but there are some there are some Iceland specific problems. Um, mm. One is that you know everybody li- even though Reykjavik is basically Bellingham, everybody lives there. So you know thousands of years of, of culture have just produced thousands of years of, of uh, isolation have just produced you know two hundred thousand people that all live you know your whole country is Cedar Rapids, Iowa, basically. Right. Like anybody you could date in the country is right there. Yeah, it's not like you could move across Iceland and, and get out of the incest pool. Right. And they all have pointy ears and violet eyes. They all look like Bjork. So you can't you can't really distinguish one from another. And even names don't help. Hmm? Because Iceland does not have the thing where a family name carries down. Oh, it's like uh it's uh, well, the Welsh were like this until 1780 where you're just named John son of Robert. Exactly. There's, you don't have a surname? What happened in 1780? Last names were invented? The British came in and said, you can no longer do this. We need to write everybody's name down in a book. And so my my first Welsh ancestor was named John, son of Roderick, or Ryderich, and uh, and they wrote him down as John Roderick. I bet people were always saying Ryderich, and he was so angry. He was just like, It's not, it's three syllables. Ryderich. I mean, he was Welsh. He didn't know what a syllable was. But so who? Yeah, I know, right? He could barely bang two rocks <laughs> together. But the, but the, the whoever that Ryderich was uh, was the first one, the first Roderick we can put our. He just happened on. to have his patronymic in the right place at the right time. Yeah, but that first John uh, got his name written down in the book, and and so began the noble legacy. Of the Rotterdams. <laughs> so without England there to menace Iceland <laughs> yeah, into yeah, adopting yeah. lost names, they still do what the Welsh used to do, which is your name is just, you know, if your dad was named Goodmund, then your his boys are, their last name is Goodmundson, and their daughters are Goodmund's daughter. So your son's name would be Kenson? Yes. And my daughter would be... Mind, Mindy, Mindy daughter? Uh, I think it's the dad. Maybe there's matronymic. I think I think no I think it's just the father I think it's just like I, my my daughter would be Katie Ken's daughter really yeah and so you don't have the same last name as your siblings much oh. less your mom or dad your cousin so you can see the problem like if I'm if I uh, if I met an attractive person at a family reunion mm-hmm. or anywhere else and they had a name that I recognize as being this is the thing if you met them at a family reunion that's a red flag not to me there I'm well, I'm there know, to I'm there right. to mix and mingle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the fact is any date in Iceland is effectively a family reunion. Sure. Because there's so much interbreeding. I don't want to say inbreeding because interbreeding, because genetically they seem to be doing okay. But I, w- I went to a family reunion in Malad city, Idaho one time, and there were like 2000 Rodericks there. Uh, I figured and were any of them attractive? Not a one. <laughs> 
<laughs> Welcome to Idaho. Not a one. I know. <laughs> I was so disappointed. I was like, come on. Uh, yeah. And maybe next year, try to find a wing of the Rodericks that live in a place with orthodontia. I don't know what to tell you. Have you been, have you, have you ever been to a, a Jennings reunion out on the frontier? Uh, when I was a kid, but it was a very localized one. It was like, it went back to my great grandma who was oh. kind of this papery, thin, wispy 92 year old who kept getting wheeled out in a wicker chair. But like a close knit group that could fit in a backyard, not something that right. took up a it, field. It was really not like we're going to find all the, the Jenningses from, of the, of the Oklahoma Jenningses. Yeah. This Roderick thing had, uh, there were hot air balloons. There was a, there was an air show. It was the whole hula hoop contests. It was a big deal. Hot air balloons? No, oh. not really. So it's less inspiring than Wonder Bread? Yeah. So between those three things, a founder effect leading to a, a small, unusually small genetic base and nobody having reliable family last names and everybody essentially living in the same city, I guess people do worry about accidentally sleeping with a relative. Now, hold on. They worry about accidentally impregnating a relative. But does anyone really worry about accidentally sleeping with a relative? You feel like incest taboos are only are only good so far as there's offspring? No, I feel like an incest taboo applies only as far as you know the person. Like nobody cares if they sleep with a second cousin if they don't if there's no if you don't know any people in common. And I guess if there's no social stigma. Maybe there's maybe there's stigma in Iceland. It's well, I mean, there, there. It would be hard for there to be because it seems like <laughs> it's an unavoidable. Seems like they've been having uh, cousin sex for many centuries. Uh, well, I mean, in the U.S., it's kind of an overstated problem, right? In most U.S. states, you can marry your first cousin, and that's because right. the risk has been the gen- risk of of uh, you know birth defect, which is what people are worried about, has been measured to be close to incidental. And once you get to second cousins, it's literally. You know, as near to zero as makes no odds. In southeastern Ohio, it's mandatory that you <laughs> that you marry. I mean, if you go past second cousin, you're you're violating some social mores. Well, I mean, for one thing, everybody is related at a certain point, right? I mean, if if you look at U.S. presidents, I think all U.S. presidents are related to George Washington. Uh, they're either twelfth cousins or narrower. Barack Obama and George Washington are twelfth cousins. I mean, this is the argument against racism, right? That that yes. there is no real genetic difference between us there's more genetic uh difference between two different people from africa than there is between any one person from africa and someone from iceland yes that is true um and so a lot of it it, just like racism perhaps this kind of incest inbreeding fear-mongering is more social stigma than anything else yeah right i mean you can you can be very suspicious of people from southeastern ohio Without even needing to get into the incest thing, but you know, but the Iceland, the news of Iceland report I read referred to this kind of fear that you might accidentally date a a cousin as something that everyone has heard of or experienced, hmm. like it's just taken as read that you all know that that classic <laughs> dating blunder when you date your cousin. Um, but this is something technology can now fix, and the other reason why Iceland is much studied uh, by gen geneticists mm-hmm. is that a word mm, and genealogists is. is that the family two different things right but both is because the family records there are very good oh sure well they would be so they've got you know family bibles all the way family back. bibles church church records of weddings and christenings and so forth so it's very easy to see how dna and chromosomes match up with family trees oh cool 
So uh, to that end, an Icelandic in the year... 1280. 1200 AD. Fast forward to the year 2013 AD. Oh, 2013. More recently. In the recent past, in our time, an Icelandic app developer called Sad Engineers Studio. Oh, Sad Engineers Studio. I've worked with them. Like, it's a little bit redundant, right? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, you're a computer programmer and you're sad? They created an app called Eastlandinga App, which just means... Icelandic app. Oh, the, you don't the, even need to say what it means. Eastlandinga app. The name is not catchy, yeah. but it has a complete, you know, as near as complete as they can get, Icelandic genealogical database. It has the the family history data of 720,000 Icelanders going back 1,200 years based on their advanced religious records and censuses sensei, phenomenal. and so forth. And so you have this on, you have access to this, your this database on your phone uh, at all times. And so you can see what the application would be, right? If you and your, um, the person you're dancing with at the club both have Eastlandinga app on your phone, the club, yes. as they say in Iceland, and you can just take your smartphones out and boomp them. Oh, you boomp them. You boomp them mm-hmm. over the umlaut. And the app will tell you how closely related you are using its Cepheus Spellspiller Oh, feature. the Cepheus Spellspiller. That means incest spoiler. Oh, boo. You don't like having an incest blocker on your app? I'm saying that the, one of the things about incest, and I don't want to go, I don't want to go too far just, off. Just one of the things. One of the You've things. You've got a lot to say it. about incest, but here's, here's that, where you start. That there, 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 is a, there is a gradation of incest, and at some point as you, get, as you move out on the gradation of incest, it starts to become hot. Right? There's some, there's some middle ground. It's like, ooh, gross, ooh, gross. Well, it's sort of like, ooh, hot. Like somewhere right in there, what, second cousin, third cousin? I'm not, I'm not saying universally hot. Not everybody's going to find it hot, but some people are going to find that appealing. You're going to bump in the in the club, and it's going to say, whoopsie-daisy, you guys are third cousins, and that is not going to inhibit that coupling. I don't want to kink shame here, but uh, yeah, it's I, apparently it's one of the, you know, the most, the fastest rising segment in internet pornography what? is incest related. I thought that was still uh, MILFs. In the year 2014, the f- the uh, fourth the fourth most searched for term on Pornhub, which is apparently some kind it's of- It's a hub for Some porn. type of pornographic archive. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I've <laughs> never heard of it until this Esquire article I'm reading. So, so the, the fourth most searched for term on Pornhub was stepmom. Yeah. And mom was fifth. Uh-huh. I guess just- the, you know, it's just deviant enough that uh, it's now that everything else has been normalized, the incest taboo deep in our genes is the last thing that still seems sick and wrong. Well, I'm guessing in, even in Iceland, you wouldn't need an app to tell if the person you met in the club was your mom. <laughs> well, one of the reviews of this app says, if I'd had this in earlier, maybe I would not go home with my aunt. Oh. So. Or, I mean, he... He's definitely saying maybe. Yeah, it's, and it's not clear whether he's uh, wishing he had had it or he's glad he didn't have it. It's not because... even clear that he's a he, right? It <laughs> could, I mean, and it, it's uh, that's a fair point. But the but the question is, would this person have gone home with their aunt if they'd known it was their aunt? Is that yeah? Is that a plus or a minus? Yeah, and it depends on what you're into, I guess. My I have an extended family that is not very interesting, and it does not. They're not a ton of like. They're not interesting to date. You mean? 
or even interesting to stand around at parties and talk about our our relatives that we have in common. But certainly, I, I hope their descendants are not listening. To there's this. no. I've never met a cousin or a distant relative where I was like, "Oh, you're you've got something going on." Most of them, I'm just like, "Oh boy, Give me here he there. comes." Ugh, move that, the. <laughs> you have a very strong incest taboo. It's, I do. It's, it's convinced you that they're not only sexually uninteresting, they're uh, conversationally uninteresting yeah, as my, well. My, my Your DNA taboo. is taking no chances. <laughs> my incest taboo extends to the level of sitting down to dinner. No thanks. We're all too closely related. The funny thing is, I have something very close to a what was it called? A Cepheus spell spiller on my phone. Oh, what's oh what is it? It's Not, some Latter Day Saints thing. Exactly. Oh. So the Latter Day Saint movement is also famously uh, obsessed with genealogy, right? Um, because they believe in uh, you know connecting family bonds over the generations as far back as you can get with church and census data. You right. know, like uh, perform. Perform religious ceremonies via proxy, in fact, for these for these deceased people. Via proxy, oh, for people that have already moved to the great beyond. Yes, yes. like like what if uh, great 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 grandma Ruth never found Jesus in life? Uh, you know, now's the chance to oh. offer her baptism uh, in the other world. So it would. So, so genealogical a, is, records would. Uh, would right. And have, if you don't know who great 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 grandma Ruth is, how are you possibly? She's just gonna, walking in the mists of time. She's out in the in the hereafter. She can't even hear the bell ringing. Apparently, God is not pleased with blanket genealogical statements like "I hereby declare all my ancestors." Oh, Christian. No, if I were God, I would also be displeased. You need to that. specify, yeah. and so therefore you need data. You need so, Ruth. So as a result, Salt Lake City has you know the world's largest genealogical archive in somewhere in hidden in, in, a, the, salt mine. in, in a bunker in the granite Wasatch Mountains. I have I've utilized their services. I have I have gone to I've gone to the the um, the Salt Lake uh, genealogical peeps to find out about your your Rydrick, uh genes. Well, yeah, and and, and the Roderick ones or i'm sorry in the rochester and page i mean i've I've traced a lot of family stuff back so there's a pretty great mormon app that you know they're kind of taking it you know in the post alex haley roots era the church has been very canny about taking advantage of kind of the popular interest in genealogy even with people who are not interested in baptizing their distant ancestors Yeah, yeah yeah like what if you just want to know the stories uh, which is presumably why you were at the vault. You didn't care to baptize anyone. Uh, no, no, I was just there because I like stories, and genealogy is the primary story that that um, if you're looking for a story beyond like what your dad did for a living, the stories are amazing. Yeah, because uh, it, it doesn't even have to be the family connection. It's just the fact that this is some unheard thing, some first person thing describing whatever their terrible travail was with dysentery or the government or the government giving them dysentery right whatever it is dysentery giving them a government (laughs) in some cases (laughs) so this uh this family search app will you know you can immediately you type in your info you say who you are what your birth date is and it probably knows census data about your grandparents and your great-grandparents and your distant cousins we've talked about this you and i potentially being related via uh my mormon cousins and uh, but we've never we've never put the info into this app. Well, we could bump. There is a uh, find your relatives feature in this app where you know it's kind of like the is anybody I know you know hanging out around here after work kind of right thing. right right. It's, it's, it's like a grinder thing, geotexting thing. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's a grinder thing basically. <laughs> but uh, for relatives only, ungrinder. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's and it's not to prevent incest. It's more just like you know to. 
get people to think genealogy is cool. Well, so if you're at Pike Place Market and you put your location in there, it's going to say like, wow, there's a 14th cousin standing over there at the fish right. thrower. The problem is it can't, uh, you know, it doesn't have facial recognition. It has to be oh, somebody right. else logged into the app. Right. I so see. basically it only works at BYU football games, <laughs> I think. <laughs> but uh, if enough people were to have that app, you could absolutely do that. You go to Pike Place Market and be like, boom, fourth cousin, boom, well, second what's cousin. What's the name of the app? Family Search. Family search app. Unless some other genealogy app is advertising on the podcast now, in which case use them instead. Right. Um, So, but Iceland has now avoided this just for incest prevention purposes, and it appears to be very popular. Is it working? I mean, it's popular, (laughs) but has it like... Is it keeping down all the ants making out (laughs) going on in in Reykjavik clubs? Well, what, what I found is that it might actually be counterproductive. There's some very counterintuitive results in this field. Uh, In 2008, uh, a Reykjavik genetics lab did this massive study of every Icelandic couple they could find born between 1800 and 1965. I love this. Because to find out, you know, were they second cousins? Were they fourth cousins? Were they 18th cousins? Science! They were some kind of cousin for sure because they're in Iceland. Right. And this was before any kind of immigration boom from anywhere else. And they wanted to correlate uh, offspring with uh, the close relation between the closeness degree of closeness of relation between the parents and they discovered everyone in parliament was uh, the product of (laughs) successive incestuous relationships they found out that's where the elves come from uh no uh but it did turn out that uh they were expecting to find that the closer the relation the worse the genetic Mm -hmm. output they found that in women born in the early 19th century uh if you were distantly related to your spouse, eighth cousins or more or, or further, you would tend to have 3.3 children and 7.3 grandchildren. However, if you were third cousins, you would have four children and on average 9.2 grandchildren. Hmm. You would tend to have more genetic progeny and presumably fitter ones because they're continuing to reproduce if your marriage was between third cousins. Uh, and the numbers get even more striking in the 20th century between 1925 and 1949 uh third cousins had three and a half kids and six and a half grandkids whereas the eighth cousins had two and a half kids and five grandkids so uh, the marriage is more successful if you're married to a closer cousin have you always wanted to learn to play an instrument? Maybe you've even tried at some point, but gave up because you felt lessons were too expensive or that you just didn't have the time. Thankfully, there's Musician. Musician is the fun, easy, and affordable way to learn guitar, piano, bass, ukulele, and even singing. Just download the app to your desktop, tablet, or phone and start playing. Musician gives you 24-7 access to a vast catalog of video lessons from professionally trained educators, as well as thousands of exercises and songs across dozens of music genres, all tailored to your goals. And with Musician's award-winning technology that listens to you play, you'll get real-time feedback on timing and accuracy so you can actually see yourself improving as you learn. Start your extended 14-day free trial of Musician's Premium Plus package at musician.com start that's unlimited access to thousands of lessons exercises and songs on as many instruments as you want for two whole weeks just go to musician.com slash start that's y-o-u-s-i-c-i-a-n.com slash start do you think it is that in someone who is related to us we see something of ourselves in them and find that attractive 
So the author of the study did not suggest a mechanism. He just said, he just called the findings counterintuitive, almost dislikable, which I enjoy when a scientist tells mm-hmm. me in advance that his results are dislikable. <laughs> I like the p- implicit permission. Um, but when an American geneticist was asked, like, why there might be greater biological benefit in fitness to these closer relations, that's exactly what he suggests. Maybe what we're seeing here is biologic attraction. If you really look alike, feel alike, and think alike, then maybe you have sex more often. Yeah, right. I mean, what everyone, it turns out what everyone really wants is to be with someone like themselves. Yeah, we're all onanists. We're all narcissists. <laughs> like, <laughs> you remind me of me. That's funny. Like, I, I've definitely noticed that in my own marriage that when, like, my wife makes a joke that sounds like a joke I would say, I laugh so much harder right. than when she makes a joke that sounds like her sense of humor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he also suggests maybe there's a pheromonal basis. Maybe if two, pe- two people with the same genes tend mm-hmm. to share the same kind of, the same scent, you know? Yeah. Which then ups sexual attraction. And so I guess what, uh, so Do- Dr. Stephenson, the guy, about, the Icelandic guy behind the, s- the uh, study, suggests that there must be some kind of Goldilocks zone. Are you familiar with the phrase? Uh, where you're, I mean, in this case, meaning that you'd be just far enough away, but not too far away. Right. Like in, t- in terms of exoplanets, you want uh, a planet that's neither too warm nor too cold, like the like the bowls of porridge. Oh, sure. In the, the three bears house. And what if, but what if there was a genetic Goldilocks zone where you don't want to be married to your sister? No. Because that's going to lead to trouble. Jesus, not my sister. Uh uh, yeah, I, nothing. I, I could be married to your sister, but yeah. you would not want to. I'd be. be happy for you to be married to my sister. That would, you might be a calming influence. Sadly, already yeah, that's married. True. She's going to have to play a didgeridoo at somebody else's chakras. Mm. Uh, but you don't, also you don't want to be too far away because then you don't have whatever just sense of camaraderie and recognition come with being with. Family. You're like. I guess. Yeah. You're someone like you. So in between, there's this zone of dating where you want to, you essentially want to be with a third or fourth cousin. That's, that's peak dating. Which is interesting because we're, we're living in a time where there's sort of unprecedented access to people from around the world. People are, I mean, I have a friend who's half Icelandic, half Korean, um, which is wouldn't a, it be cool to be the first person of your race? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Half Iceland, and he, what if that guy's the first Christlandic? He's uh, he's his name is Evan Kane. He's a he's a, a violinist, like a spectacular violinist. And really, to to look at him, there is no other way to describe him. He's half Korean, half Icelandic. He looks like he is from he like he lives in a temple made of crystal. Right? He's like <laughs> he's beautiful, but uh, but that wouldn't have been a, a combination that would have been even really possible or even conceivable. People uh, didn't leave their villages. Like right. the inbreeding problem was much greater back then when your marriage pool was like four people and they were all, they'd all lived in your town for 500 years. But there's a kind of feeling uh, like a, um, like a hopeful feeling that as the races intermingle, that we create a kind of um, like a, a, Mochaccino population of the world that is perfect raceless race. Well, and that also has incredible immune systems that we get to combine all of our, the strengths of different, um, of different worlds to, you know, yeah, to make a raceless race. You could do it. We, we tried to do it in our societies, but like that was just the first step to doing it in ourselves. Right. (laughs) But I wonder, I wonder if this Goldilocks effect, if it, if it happens in sort of waves where, 
your your third cousin is extremely attractive to you, and then your fifth cousin really isn't. But then, but then it goes back. Yeah, the, <laughs> then someone that's from a different like from a thousand miles away suddenly is like it's like it's like when Mount St. Helens erupted, and you could hear it really loudly fifty miles away, and then nothing until about a hundred miles away, and then nothing until about two hundred miles away because that was the Right, the, the amplitude, the frequency of the sound waves. So there's some kind of there's some big bass sine wave of sexual attraction that. Uh, yeah, nothing sexier than comparing attraction to trigonometry for yeah, sure. Hello, uh, but if that's true, you know, if if these findings are true, then the incest taboo that we all feel to some degree, and except for those sickos on Pornhub, yeah, is uh, actually been covering up all these biological benefits huh. that we would be getting. By uh, by asking our aunts and great aunts, uh, you know, who just who's who's single in the family? Yeah, have you got any? Uh, do you have any daughters that are like hot and single? Nice to meet you, by the way. I mean, I don't. The incest taboo is uh, is there because siblings and first cousins that actually does create genetic decay over time right? absolutely the just, Habsburg just look at any picture of charles ii of spain right with his poor fella with his weird jaw and his inability to think about things <laughs> <laughs> i think that's the name i think that's the name for that syndrome <laughs> the inability to think about things just the inability to, to think about yeah. things um so inbreeding is real um but you know it was very common for people to marry their cousins einstein did edgar Allan poe did Stravinsky, H.G. Wells, Jesse James. Lots of people married their first cousins. Um, but, you know, we, we took it too far. Not not marrying your cousin is a good thing, but... Right, but marrying your third cousin might be a better thing. And that concludes Icelandic Incest. Entry 615.DE2722 Certificate number 20625 in the omnibus. Futurelings, in the unlikely event that social media still exists in your era, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram will probably be a great place to see if who the person or, uh, or other being that you are dating or mating with is related to you, which they almost certainly will be, and you can gauge that Gauge the hotness of it based on some algorithm that's yet to be encoded. All our, Well, the reason for the incest taboo should be that, uh, you know, it's just survival of the fittest. The people who didn't marry their cousins uh, tended to have... Fewer kids and lesser kids. Well, the people, who, the people who didn't marry their sisters and cousins actually did reproduce successfully, and therefore they produced offspring like them who were right. not who were not into dating their sisters and cousins right but you'd think that at some point these these tertiary benefits of, of dating your third and fourth cousins would take effect and we would start to see maybe we're speaking to a future population that is descended from the third and fourth and fifth cousin daters we have speculated that they are descended from us but that means um both of us well it, yeah i guess if we're the er population but that means that dylan Caitlin and Marlo have a lot of responsibility in this scenario. There have to be more people, I think. You'd have to have more children. Yeah, right. You and I both need to have more children. Yeah, we don't have a Mars colony yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could happen at the third and fourth generation. Right. Marlo will have eight kids. My kids will will each have 
15 kids. Marlo would, Marlo, I don't think would mind having eight kids, but she's eight years old right now, so she doesn't know what she wants. She thinks she wants eight kids because she thinks it's easy to care for eight dolls. And I'm like, <laughs> it's not, it's harder to care for eight kids than eight dolls. And she's like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're not a mom. Uh, you can go uh, talk to Ken at Ken Jennings on Twitter. He replies to every single tweet. Uh, if you don't like how he feels about uh, uh, Canadian, Canadian or, or baseball Iceland. <laughs> or, uh, or Iceland, you can tweet him at Ken Jennings. I'm at John Roderick. Uh, only tweet me praise. Uh, you can also go on my Instagram account and see if you find me attractive. If I look closely related enough to you to be hot, or distantly related enough to you to be hot on the other end of the spectrum. If you go to see John perform live, you should make sure you have the uh, Family History app on your phone, and he will as well. Yep, come boomp me. You guys can boomp. Do you ever boomp your fans? Uh, I've never, well. Not on the stage, I hope. I mean, no, that's not how I would describe it. (laughs) Um, If I end up in that uncanny valley between being your cousin and being far enough away, far enough uh, unrelated that you don't find me attractive, don't say anything, don't tweet about it. Just fade into the mists. If you're in the Goldilocks zone, though, you should definitely let him know. Yeah. Uh, email us at theomnibusproject at gmail.com. Please, if you are on Facebook, um, join the Futurelings group. Even if you're not on Facebook, the Futurelings are a fun enough organization that it's almost worth joining Facebook or reactivating your Facebook account, which you thought you had deactivated, but really is still there, lying dormant. It's still there. I guarantee you it's still there. Uh, You can send us mail at P.O. Box 55744, Shoreline, Washington, 98155. Ken appears to be opening some mail. I'm opening mail on mic now. This is so exciting. It's an envelope full of envelopes. Here's one envelope to you that says John. Yeah. Here's one that says John and Ken. I guess I'm not allowed to see this. Okay. And then uh, it's a poetry zine called Birds and Whistles. Two different uh, issues of Birds and Whistles from... Our local College of the Arts Cornish, one of which has a crossword. On oh, the, that's beautiful! On the cover, which we are both on the record from Cornish. Enjoying. From Cornish, I'm not going to open the one to you because maybe it's a sexual advance. Let's see. Oh, it's in an airmail envelope, which is which is attractive. I haven't had a letter in one of those in a long and time. And mine is not. This person left the country just to write to you. Par avion. Oh, and it's in, it's on. Oh, it's on lavender paper. I read this privately to myself. Is yours scented? Hmm. Oh, let me smell. Well, it's it's a, it's good smelling paper. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My Arno oh. just encourages us to enjoy these uh, poetry publications of uh, of late two thousand one. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently you and Don just need to figure out how uh, closely related you are. Don, me and Don. D a w n right. Oh, well, uh, all I have here is uh, uh, your devoted listener, D, and then a scribble. Is it is it D-A-W-N or D-O-N? Because that will change how I'm reading this letter. It could be Doug. Would you say you date more Dons than Dougs? Uh, well, uh, Delta Dawn. <laughs> I definitely have del- de- dated more Delta Dons than Dougs. Red Dawn. Oh, Red Dawn. She uh, she left to join the Cuban Revolution. Uh, oh, also, uh, you can go to Reddit and uh, go to omnibus underscore futurelings at Reddit 
and fight with the other reddits, as is the way on Reddit. Is that what they do? I guess. It's like uh, who knows what they do? Game of Thrones. Also, please, if uh, if you enjoy the show and you enjoy that we are independent of uh, of any large media corporation that would be that would be uh, I don't know handling our media buys and ad sales and admin and all the other things that are that our former giant media overlords handled for us. You can support the show directly at patreon.com slash omnibus project. And we are grateful. Listeners, from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization survived. We hope and pray that our genetic material may continue through time to inform yours that the catastrophe we fear never destroyed our civilization. But if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may be our final word. But if providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus.